there or not? Maybe I bumped it or maybe Drew. There it is. Okay. I was just kidding. Um, so I wanted to give just like a brief update. Uh, some of the things that have been going on with our Campus Life programs this year. Uh, it has been an incredibly exciting year for us. Um, the first couple years in ministry, it was really about building trust with the administrators, with teachers, with just the school uh, to try and allow ourselves to, to be able to have more contact with students and to be able to get ourselves uh, opportunities to be able to serve and work with the schools. Uh, and I think there was a little bit of a hesitation. You know, there's this 30-year-old bald guy coming in and asking if he can hang out with students during lunch and stuff like that. And so there's a little bit of a hesitation there, and I understand that. I'm very intimidating looking, so that's part of, uh, I think, what was going on there. But what we did, we, we did what we did with excellence. We were professional. Uh, we we just did the very best we could to build trusting, healthy relationships with the adults in the schools. Uh, and we've seen the evidence of uh, the foundation that was laid in the first couple of years. Uh, this year, we have really been just given open access to both schools. Uh, we can, we're there as much as we want to be. And when I say we, I mean myself and my team of adult leaders who are kind of the ones who are on the front lines uh, you know, that are with me at club, that are with me at sporting events, you know, things like that, trying to build relationships with students. Uh, so three areas that we've seen just marked growth and improvement this year. Uh, number one, uh, our Campus Life Club time, which is the thing that the program that we do at the schools once a week, uh, once at Northside, once at Central. And that's where we build a program. We say, you guys come to this. It's fun. It's exciting. We have great games. We have food. Uh, and then we have a topical lesson that would be, uh, you know, like this past week we covered relationships. And we're kind of going through a series, uh, you know, the month of February, the love month. Uh, we go through, we're going through a series on relationships. Uh, and that's everywhere from family to friends to boyfriend, girlfriend type relationships. So uh, first improvement is just with our club time. We've seen almost a double in the number of kids that we've been having uh, participate and attend at our club times on a weekly basis. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we went from the last couple of years to having maybe 20 or 30 a week between the two schools to having anywhere from 50 to 70 a week uh, between both schools. And it's just, uh, it's the biggest group of teens that I've ever led. So for me, it's just fun and uh, exciting. And, and the energy is, you know, kind of a two-way thing. You know, when there's more people, it builds energy for myself and my adult leaders and it also in turn just kind of builds energy with the students so it's a lot of fun uh, we have a great time together uh, the second way is with our adult leader team uh, in the past couple years it had been you know just two or three people helping out uh, on a regular basis and this year we have uh, 11 adults who are consistently uh, pouring into the lives of these students uh, just doing everything they can to help build that bridge between uh, Jesus and, and lost teens. Um, and then uh, I think I just, I covered the third way was was really with uh, just the access and the opportunities that we've had in the schools. Uh, it has just been a fun, fun year to be a Campus Life Director in Columbus. We have just, uh, I mean, it is all across the board. It has been exciting and fun, and I just, I look forward to what God has in store for us in the rest of the school year and next school year. Um, and so that's, it's been a lot of fun. So for those of you that have been uh, consistently praying for, for the ministry that we're doing, thank you so much. Uh, we could not do it without you. For those of you that have supported financially, 
Uh, same thing. Uh, we just are so grateful for that and, and uh, very, very appreciative of, of all of the types of help that we've had from uh, this community here. So thank you so much. Um, now today, uh, I wanted to talk about childlike faith. Uh, I had kind of, you know, been playing with, you know, as I talked to Quinn about speaking again here, I'd thought about, you know, it's Olympic time. I love the Olympics. I'd thought about doing something related to the Olympics, and God just kept putting on my heart this idea of childlike faith. So uh, I'm going to go with childlike faith, and we'll talk about the Olympics next time, uh, even though it will be not as fresh. So uh, I want to start off with just a story. Uh, this year, uh, I had the opportunity to coach my daughter's second and third grade basketball team, and this was the second year that I had done that. Uh, and, and in a way, second and third grade basketball is very challenging. Uh, it's not the same challenging as, you know, if I were to be uh, coaching a high school team or a college team, because there's not a lot of pressure to, to win. There's not a lot of pressure to, to do well. Uh, it's more just try to get nobody to have an injury and, you know, teach the fundamentals. So the pressure that I feel, I think, comes more from myself, and I want to teach these kids the fundamentals of the game so that as they get to higher levels, uh, they know what they're doing. You know, they know how to dribble, they know how to pass, they know how to shoot and all that. Uh, so, but again, not a lot of pressure. I like that kind of coaching because uh, sometimes I don't deal well with pressure. Um, well, the first night of practice, I pulled my team together after practice, and I said, okay, guys, what is the most important part of basketball? What's the most important thing? And in my mind, I'm thinking hustle. Uh, if it, You can hustle on offense. You can hustle on defense. No matter what you're doing, hustle is the most important part of basketball. And, of course, that's my opinion. But as the coach, I get to share that with my team. So, you know, I get kids dribbling. No, that's not what I was thinking. Passing. No, that's important, but it's not the most important. Uh, offense, defense. No, no. Uh, and then a kid raises his hand, uh, and he says, praising God. And I'm like, I, I just sat there in silence for a second because I thought, man, I missed it. I missed it. Yeah, that's the most important thing of anything we do. Uh, so that night, uh, and really consistently throughout the season, uh, we kept coming back to that. You know, I'd, I'd say, what's the, what's the second most important part of basketball? You know, as I'm trying to get them to hustle uh, during practices uh, and 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 I because I'd always finish it with because we know the most important part is praising God and and I learned a lesson that night uh, from Nick, uh, really good kid and he was a hustler too like I appreciated him a lot for a lot of reasons but uh, I don't think I'll forget that for a long time. Uh, I learned a, a great and valuable lesson that night when he said praising God. Uh, so Jesus when he was doing ministry. Uh, there was a situation where he was kind of sitting around, he was with his disciples, and there was a bunch of kids around. He was kind of talking to some folks, and uh, the disciples heard these kids, and they were being a little bit loud, and, and they're trying to settle these kids down. And Jesus calls the kids over, and he says, listen, and he's, this is a teachable moment for him. He's, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, listen to me. And this shows up in two different uh, books of the Bible, uh, Mark 10, 15, and Luke 18, 17, both say the same statement. It says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. That's a profound statement. I want to read it again, try and just soak it in a little bit. 
unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. So, there's a question that goes on in my mind as I read that statement, as I read that phrase. What does that mean? I mean, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I've got to have childlike faith. But how do, you, how do you look at that practically? You're like, my mind says, what does that mean? So we're going to try and dig into that a little bit. Uh, I read a book several years ago. Uh, there's a guy named Michael Iaconelli that wrote a book called Dangerous Wonder, The Adventure, what is it? The Adventure of Childlike Faith. Uh, great, great book, and it covers childlike faith. So we're going to try and dig into that just a little bit today. Uh, <clears throat> let me find where I'm at. Childlike faith, uh, when you think of children, I think we tend to think simple. You know, you got to break things down. You got to make it uh, easy to chew on. You got to make it uh, easier to understand. And yet, some of those simple things, I think, can be the most profound parts of our faith. <clears throat> so, uh, we have another side of this. We have, you know, Jesus said, unless you have faith like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And then you have this other side, because later on, uh, the book of Peter uh, says this. First Peter 3.15 uh, wrote this. Always be prepared to give an answer to those, to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So on the one hand, I've got this idea that I need to have childlike faith. Uh, and I think in most cases, when I think about childlike faith, when I hear that phrase, I think I just need to accept it. I just need to accept uh, whatever that means, whatever the Bible says. I just accept that for what it is, and, and I move on. However, I've had lots of conversations with people where they say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, explain how God can be three and yet one. I don't know. I, I totally have no idea. How, who was before God? Uh, no one. Where did he come from? I don't know. So that's the problem. I, there are certain things about my faith that I have to accept based on a belief that I have. I, I can't explain it. I don't know the answer. I may never know the answer. Sometimes I have this tendency to say, oh, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask God, and he'll let me know. Well, maybe he won't. Maybe that's a mystery that's always going to be there. Because he's God, and I'm Tim, and it doesn't matter. I mean, at that point, it's not going to matter anyway. But I have a lot of these curiosities, you know, that I'd, I have a lot of questions I'm going to ask God, and he's probably just going to look at me and say, you don't need to know. Not important. Just, <laughs> yeah, go play, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. Um, so, and there was another scripture I, I went over here. So, uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So I've got these kind of scriptures that are competing. Uh, and I'm a guy that likes to be able to explain why I believe what I believe. And, and I think that there are times that that's helpful, uh, you know, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, I shared a story last time I was here about uh, a friend of mine who uh, we've ridden bikes together a lot. We did the, the ride across Indiana last year. Put a lot of time together uh, on a bike. And, you know, when you're out for a five-hour bike ride, you have a lot of time to chat. Well, my friend is an atheist, and, and 
obviously I'm a believer, and so we have these, you know, sometimes three-hour-long conversations uh, about faith. And, and it's always open. It's always, you know, nobody's trying to, well, I mean, I'm kind of trying to convert him, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm not doing it abrasively, I, I think. At least he keeps coming back, so I, I think I'm not being too abrasive. Um, so I like to be able to explain to my friends what is going on and why, uh, why I believe the way I do. Um, so how do I balance these two things? I, have, I, I need to have childlike faith so I can enter the kingdom of God because I definitely want to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, and then I have this, you know, I'm not a child anymore. I used to reason like a child, but now I'm a man and I want to reason like a man. Um, so I want to just kind of backtrack a little bit. We're talking about faith. You know, we're talking about what that is. And, and I think there are some differing opinions on what faith really is. And so I want to use the definition that comes from the Bible. Uh, and it's Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it says this, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And I've had kids, you know, over the last couple of years as we're talking about faith, as we're talking about Jesus, like these questions come up. Well, how do you know? How do you know? How can you explain it? And there are sometimes I have to say, I can't. I cannot prove it to you. I can't prove to you that Jesus existed, that he said he was God and that he is. And I think that's where the faith like a child comes in. Can I reason? Can I give explanations? Can I give answers as to why I think Jesus is who he says he is? Can I, can I give an explanation of uh, the miracles that he did and that he raised himself from the dead? Yeah, sure, I can give all kinds of reasons. But in the end, it's, it's got to be faith. You have to accept that at some point and say, all right, I'm taking a leap. That's why they call it a leap of faith. I'm taking a jump here, God. And I trust that, that what you said is true. Um, so uh, I was thinking about this this week, and I, and I thought of a situation. You know, if I were to tell you, uh, let, what's your name right here? Ariel. All right. So, Ariel, if I told you that yesterday, yesterday from, you know, 24-hour period, Saturday, I flew all the way around the world, what would be your first thought? How'd you do it, right? Like, no way. You wouldn't have enough time to fly all the way around. You'd, your, your skepticism would grow, right? You, and if I said, you know, I started coming up with, well, I, of course I flew. You know, how else would I do it? Then you'd have other questions, right? You know, so let's say I were to go upstairs and grab one of the kids that are up there, and I said, hey, guess what? Yesterday I flew all the way around the world. They'd be like, wow, awesome. That's incredible. You know, there's something with a child. And I tried that with my kids this week, and they knew that I hadn't because I was with them like the whole day, the day before. But I tried to start convincing them, and it didn't. So my my plan kind of backfired on that. But uh, kids have this ability that we don't. They have the ability to believe what you say, which I think, one, is a great responsibility. Uh, make sure that what you're telling your kids is true. Because whether it's true or not, they're going to believe you. Uh, so there's, I, I believe, a great, great responsibility in that. And that's one of the reasons uh, that we take the teaching time during our Campus Life Club so seriously. 
because the 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 middle schoolers they're still they're in this in between stage where they're they're not kids still but they're not they're kind of in their adolescence they're kind of you know it's that limbo period that's why a lot of times when I'm talking to people about volunteering with campus life in middle school they're like I can't deal with middle schoolers <laughs> uh that high school maybe uh little kids maybe but middle school uh so anyway uh you still have a little bit of that ability to reach them and say okay Jesus said this and and it's a little more likely to accept that's in fact why we decided in Columbus to start with middle school instead of starting with high school ministry most of our staff in our chapter is high school uh and so we were um Columbus was the first place in our chapter to start middle school ministry. So uh, I counted a great blessing uh, to be able to to communicate with middle schoolers. And I, I, I also think that it's a great uh, responsibility. So we take that very seriously. Uh, so in talking about childlike faith, uh, does that mean that every single thing that we read in the Bible, and this is a question you can say yes, you can say no, I want to get some feedback on this. Uh, does that mean that we have to accept everything that we read at face value that we just need to believe it and and move on and not be able to explain it yeah yeah and and do a little digging you know don't be afraid to do a little research go into your bible you know a lot of Bibles have these cross-references, like in the middle or at the bottom. Well, it says at the bottom, you know, go here. Okay, do a little research. Go there. Uh, is that taken away from a childlike faith? I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one. Uh, because, you know, if I were to tell my five-year-old that I just took upstairs, hey, okay, buddy, you know why it says this? Uh, I want you to go cross-reference that and, and get back to come back to me in a little while, and we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll have a, a discussion about that. No, you know, we don't do that, obviously. We're not at that point. Um, and I struggle with, you know, even what it looks like to have childlike faith as an adult. Because, you know, we're back here sitting during the singing time, and my son's kind of climbing on the couch, and he's going back and forth like, stop it stop it i'm like trying to get him to calm down maybe that's maybe he's worshiping that way i don't know i mean i didn't ask him maybe i should have asked him and said hey buddy if that's how you worship then that's cool but um i'm gonna sit here and sing a little bit and um one of the questions that that comes up in in Iaconelli's book is you know when do we lose that when do we lose that ability you know kids my son he didn't know any of the words to these songs and he's still singing them you know, he doesn't know the tune. He doesn't know how it goes. He's still singing them. Uh, I wish um, that I could get adults to do that sometime. You know, just let it go. You know, you're off pitch, whatever. Just worship with your heart, you know. Uh, and a lot of times it comes up with prayer, and I'm going to talk about that in a second here. Uh, you know, I'll, some of even my student leaders uh, at, at some of the schools, I'll, I'll say, hey, would you mind praying during our student leader meeting? Would you mind praying at club? Like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, how we can maybe overcome that. Um, did anybody get a chance to see? I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Did anybody get a chance to see the, the Bill Nye uh, debate with Ken Ham? Does anybody know what I'm even talking about? Okay. We've got a couple other nerds in here. Uh, that's good. Okay. Um, I watched it this week. I watched it on YouTube. Uh, 
stuff like that just I strikes my curiosity. So I, I love watching stuff like that. Uh, if you're unaware of what, what even that is, uh, I've, does anybody know Bill Nye? Raise your hand if you know Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, raise your hand if you know Ken Ham, one of the founders of Answers in Genesis, uh, one of the biggest proponents in the world right now for uh, the literal translation of creation. Uh, six days uh, it took God to create. Uh, the belief is that the, the earth is relatively young, six to 7,000 years old. Uh, and so there's this debate going on between Bill Nye, who says, no, of course, the world is billions and billions of years old. Uh, it was evolution that, that led to, uh, and I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of that. That's another day. Uh, but I watched the debate, and as I'm watching this, I was uh, fully convinced that Bill Nye won the debate. Uh, and there may be some differing opinions out there, but uh, my opinion was, as far as debates go, and that's, is there ever really a winner in a debate? I don't know. Uh, but my opinion was Bill Nye provided better information, better responses, better rebuttals, all that stuff. Uh, my opinion was Bill Nye hands down won the debate. Uh, does that mean I believe uh, in his theory? Not necessarily. Uh, it just means I think he provided better information. Uh, now, let's take those two men. Now, Bill Nye is a professing agnostic uh, Ken Ham is obviously a believer, uh, believes that, you know, the Bible is the absolute authority when it comes to how the world was created. Uh, you look at those two men, in the end, Ken Ham, I, I believe, has great logic, great reasoning, uh, is able to defend why he believes what he believes, but in the end, he has childlike faith. He's able to say, I, I accept what God said in his word. I accept the words in this book to be true. And I'm going to believe that and defend that until the day I die or the day Jesus comes back. So as far as that end of it goes, Ken Ham's the winner. <laughs> you know, he's the one that's going to see God's kingdom. He's the one that's going to be uh, in eternity with Jesus. Um, so no matter what you believe about creation or Bill Nye or whatever, uh, Ken Ham wins out uh, hands down as far as that goes. Um, one thing I try and remember, uh, I, when I'm speaking to people, uh, that I don't know or through campus life, uh, there's a lot of kids that come that I don't know very well. Uh, I always try and speak through a lens of, uh, trying to be able to explain things profoundly yet simply. Uh, and I, I ran across a quote from Albert Einstein a while back that said this, if you can't explain it simply you don't understand it well enough uh so sometimes you know drew or my daughter lane will ask me a question and i'm trying to explain it and well what does that mean well i'll explain it this way and well what does that mean so i'm trying to break it down and sometimes i just say i don't know <laughs> i don't know i'll have to i'll have to get back to you on that uh, and I feel bad when that happens because I like to be able to explain things in a way that people can understand, but I know that there are times that I can't. So, uh, but again, that depends on your audience. I'm, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of going back and forth between a lot of thoughts, so hopefully nobody's falling asleep. Um, here's a recommendation that I have uh, for, for everyone, and myself included. 
Uh, if somebody asks you a question about faith or about God or the Bible or, and you don't know, uh, I, I know that my tendency is I want to feel like I know what I'm talking about. And so I might give an answer. Uh, even though my tendency would be to give an answer, and I probably used to do that a lot more than I do now. Give an answer, even though it may not be 100% accurate. That's my best guess. Uh, uh, I think this is how it goes. Um, I've kind of shifted to a new thought. If I don't know, say you don't know. A lot of times pride gets in the way, and, and I would say, you know, I've gotten to the point where, you know, if somebody asks me a question, we have a question box. Every week we put out a question box. So if somebody has a question during club and they don't want to raise their hand and ask it, that's fine. Write it down on a piece of paper, put it in the question box, and we will address it during our club time at a later date. Uh, I've gotten a lot of questions before that I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. So we read them ahead of time. We do research. We we look up and, and we're able to defend that question. Um but we try and do it in a way that's easily accessible. So, uh, anyway, so what is the balance between having knowledge, having a great wealth of knowledge that allows you to answer any question that anybody has, and having that faith that says, I'm going to believe what the Bible says, I'm going to believe this, this is my faith. Uh, And Iaconelli wrote out, Five steps, and I'm going to give those to you. If you've got something to write down, this may be a good time to take a note. Uh, First one, and I talked about this one a little bit earlier. Pray like a child. Uh, I always think it's really funny when, you know, we're sitting down for a meal and we're getting ready to pray, and, you know, Drew will say a prayer, and I I use him particularly because he's a little bit younger. Uh, We'll say, pray, and he'll say, okay, God, thank you for our food, and thank you for... Uh, dogs, and thank you for, and we don't have a dog, uh, thank you for snow, and, you know, he'll just, like, say all these kind of random things, and we're like, good job, buddy. Uh, but if you ask an adult to pray for a meal, there's this tendency to feel like you, uh, that you have to use nice words, that you have to use uh, fancy words, or you have to say it a certain way, or you have to, it has to be a certain amount of time, you know, you know, if you don't pray and it's like five minutes long, then it's w- it wasn't worth your time. It's like, seriously? Uh, no. Pray what's on your heart. Uh, the Bible is clear that our prayers, uh, they don't even really go directly to God. Like the Holy Spirit takes our prayers to God and interprets them for us. So I can even pray using a sound. You know, the, that scripture says that even the, the groans of our heart are interpreted by the Holy Spirit to God. So I can pray going, maybe. Can I pray like that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Because the the Holy Spirit takes that prayer, interprets it, uh, and it's given to God as it's intended. Um, So uh, I think the the basic thing with prayer is God wants to have a conversation with you. He doesn't care what you say, necessarily. Twice in my life, I've heard somebody cuss during a prayer. Is that okay? The Holy Spirit's interpreting it, so maybe. Uh, I mean, it's the one time it was kind of funny. The other time, it was somebody was really struggling with something, and and I think that it was probably okay. I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, I'll ask God someday, and he'll probably say, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Tim's never getting asked back to TLR. Uh, second thing is, don't limit your vocabulary to adult words. Uh, you know, even words like holy. Uh, does anybody know what that means? What does it mean? Oh, but we use that word, don't we? I mean, some people use that word, you know, like holy cow. Or I've heard other nouns inserted after holy as well. Uh, but don't limit yourself to adult words. There's a tendency in church settings and church circles uh, to use words that we know. I mean, I grew up in church. My whole life, I have been a part of church. And so there are certain words that I know, that I understand. Uh, and and I would like to actually have somebody define holy. If you don't know what it is, we need to maybe have another lesson here afterwards. Um, But when we limit ourselves to those words, there's a whole world of people out there who are like, what does that mean? I had a situation one time. I w- formerly, I was a youth pastor at a church, and we had a lock-in, and a kid came. And all these other kids, my regular attenders, were like, I can't believe he came. I can't believe he's in a church. And uh, so we were having like a little devotional time during the lock-in. And he said, uh, you know, I don't normally come to church. You know, it's, it's holy. I was like, what does that mean? He said, I don't know. We had another kid the last year at Campus Life. Uh, we were actually talking about, uh, and this kid is not regularly in church. I think he used to go to church. <clears throat> but uh, we were doing a gospel presentation. He said, I said, you know, what does it take to get to heaven? And all these kids who I knew went to church had no answer. They weren't able to answer it. They, oh, you got to go to church. Well, that's a good thing, but it's not it. Well, you gotta you got to read your Bible. That's a great thing, but it's not going to get you to heaven. Uh, and what is it? And this kid who is a proclaimed atheist says, you have to repent. Like, do you know what that means? He said, no. <laughs> so I, but that gave me an opportunity to explain it. Repenting means to turn away. You, you used to do this stuff. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm focused on God. Uh, I mean, I was amazed that he even knew the word, but uh, sometimes we have a tendency to use those words and not know what they mean. So holy, by the way, means separate, set apart. Uh, so if we say that, you know, uh, God is holy, he's separate, he's set apart. Uh, if we say that communion is holy, you know, it means it's set apart. It's uh, for a specific uh, meaningful reason, uh, not like holy cow. Uh, or or other holy things. Um, number three, and this is a big one for me sometimes, uh, ask for help. My son, I, I keep using him as an example, but every day uh, I get my kids ready for school in the morning because Kelly leaves really early for her work. Uh, every day he's like, Dad, can you change me? Like, you are capable of doing this. You are, and, and you know, there are some things he's like, I can do it by myself. But changing, for some reason, he wants me to change his clothes. He wants me to get his clothes. I'm like, Drew, you can do this. You don't need my help. He's like, so can you change me? And so I will, eventually, after repeated attempts to try and get him to do it himself. Uh, But as an adult, 
I, I don't want to ask for help sometimes. I just I want to do it myself, whether it's because I don't want to bother somebody or because uh, I'm too proud or uh, whatever the reason. Uh, I don't ask for help. But a child, uh, easily, I mean, ask for help even when they don't need it. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask for help. Let that pride thing go aside. It's not good for you anyway. Uh, set it aside and say, I want to, I need help. I need help. Uh, and sometimes that's very difficult for us to do. Uh, number four, embrace your ordinariness. And that's Iaconelli's words. I didn't make that up. Uh, I'll use my kids as an example again, because this part of them uh, just really, really captivates me. Uh, they will take something so simple. You know, it could be a discarded uh, paper towel roll. Or, a, you know, a empty juice container. Uh, and they'll make something incredible out of it. You know, the, my son will <laughs> uh, get a paper towel roll and he's like, I'm a pirate. I'm like, really? I would never. Th- I'm, I was going to recycle it. You know, I was going <laughs> to throw it in the trash or something. But uh, they have the way of, of seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary. Uh, so embrace that. Uh, don't be afraid to, you know, oh, I'm an ordinary person. Uh, you know, how could God use me for something great? You know, uh, there's a great book on that too. And I, I referenced this one other time I was here, uh, Shane Claiborne's Irresistible Revolution, uh, how to be an ordinary radical. Uh, and I think my wife is one of the greatest example of ordinary radical. Uh, and she's got this quote up in her office. She's a counselor at Shelbyville High School. And uh, it, it's a quote from Mother Teresa, and it says, you know, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And and that's something we both read when we went through Irresistible Revolution, and I'm always reminded of that. Uh, it's it's an incredible opportunity. You know, I'm I'm an ordinary guy. I'm, I'm probably never going to be on a stage where millions of people are going to hear my voice. I'm never going to be on TV, most likely. Uh, so... Does that mean I'm not going to have any make a difference? Absolutely not. I think what I do every day uh, makes a difference for eternity. And, and there's no reason that, that we all can't have that difference uh, in the places we go and the things we do on a daily basis. Uh, and number five, and I love this one, uh, don't stop playing. I mean, you know, I'm trying to get Drew to, to sit down and quiet down Uh and, and be quiet, and we try and get him to do certain things, and, and Lane's the same way sometimes. Uh, but we have this tendency as we as we mature, as we grow older, to to get rid of that playing. Well, I need to be serious. You know, I need to take things seriously. Stop that. You know, don't take yourself so seriously that you lose sight of the joy uh, of every day. Uh, you know, we can lose a lot uh, of joy by by just trying to be an adult. So I would say, I would echo Michael's words in saying, don't stop playing. Um, I want to show you a video uh, from YouTube, and this is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, but they, they sang this song quite a few years ago uh, called Dandelions. Uh, listen to the words. And, and the biggest uh, thing I want you to take from this is, you know, sometimes uh, as a believer, I feel like I fail God, like you know, I, I give him what I can, and, and, you know, to me it maybe seems like it's not that great. Uh, 
But when we offer that to God, he, he takes it and he sees it. Uh, and the song's about a little boy that uh, brings his mom these beautiful flowers, and it's really just a bouquet of, of dandelions. Uh, and she sees the beauty in it. Uh, so check this out, and uh, when this is over, I'll pray, and then we'll be all done.